0: Good morning, this is Tom Clark. I'm here again with my dear friend Dave Henderson and we're going to go into some really, really heavy subjects. I hope you stay with us uh, because it's really going to expand your mind on this one. We're going to talk about a very interesting subject about two words, rebirth and reset. And both rebirth and reset are things that are happening to us right now And why it's important that we would like our listeners to understand this is because there's an awakening happening in people's minds. And as uh, Ralph um, Waldo Emerson once said, uh, most people live lives of quiet desperation. We would like our listeners not to be those people. (laughs) We don't want you to live lives of quiet desperation. We want to wake up and see... When you start hearing the word rebirth or you start hearing the word reset, reset's probably used used even more, what do people mean by that and how does that affect you in your life? Because it's going to affect all of us in many ways, but particularly it's going to affect the final solution, which is the final reset that happens into our lives. And we believe it's all happening very soon because it's culminating in the energy being released on the earth right now through the prophetic people on the good side and the deranged people on the other side <laughs> um, trying to um, push us to the point where um, the the end solution comes into uh, fruition. So with that in mind, I would like to talk it over with um, uh, Dave because he's done a lot of research on structures, and um, going way back, we're going to start going way back to the foundations. Please hang in with us. We're going to talk about the Fibonacci uh, sequence, we're going to talk about the golden rule, the golden rectangle, golden ratio, I'm sorry, the golden ratio and the golden rectangle. Um, We're not trying to get into this too mathematically, we will not get into it mathematically at all actually, but we will talk about the principles and the principles that God has set in place in the world that um, scientists, non-Christian, non-believing scientists, are discovering, or rediscovering, I should say, uh, and just by way of observation, they're observing the Fibonacci sequence in everything around us. It's at the quantum level, and all the way up at the uh, astronomical, in astronomy. They're seeing it all in the heavens and in those minute parts of the subatomic particles. So with that, I'd like to ask Dave his input on what's happening in the world right now with these secular scientists discovering the Fibonacci sequence.
1: You know, when we go uh, talking about these particular things, um, something we said earlier in discussing about this particular broadcast is if you have – something that's made, you have to have a maker. If you have a created object you have to have a creator and I know that that sounds so simple it almost defies the imagination, but it's so simple that it it's genius. It's <laughs> genius but it also gets heavily overlooked. So in looking at these uh, things that are going on in the scientific discovery world that most of them have been open to us basically, since the advent of electron microscope in the late 40s, right? Seeing these particular things uh, being discovered by scientists and we see their explanation for why these things are taking place, we realize that the blindness that's there is that they refuse to acknowledge the basic truth in in God's time-space continuum, which is that God made everything. So what got me going in this direction was in my study of the tabernacle of Moses, how everything was, every piece of furniture was labeled his. And that seems like an odd thing to call a, a brazen altar, an odd thing to call an altar of all an, o- an odd thing to call an Ark of Covenant. His uh, Ark of Covenant shall be this and this. But it refers to these things being an aspect of Jesus Christ, an aspect of his creative power, an aspect of how he wants to dwell within man. Well, God created the universe based on certain principles. And many of these scientists are now all of a sudden discovering these principles. In fact, the one principle we're mentioning, the golden ratio, which you can look this up. It's a, it's a very basically um, well-known uh, equation that exists in the, uh, in the world in everything. I mean, the way plants grow, the way that uh, the human body is constructed, every single thing about the symmetry of man Etc. is built on this golden ratio or what they used to call the divine ratio. They use it They call it the golden mean at different places But what happens is these many of these evolutionists believe that the whole reason that evolution occurred Was because somehow when the big bang took place the universe fell into this golden ratio as it grew And so they're instead of crediting God who created everything after a certain pattern and the pattern can be very complex or very simple, but it's always laid out similarly, constant, constantly being laid out. Instead of saying God laid out everything by certain basic patterns, they want to attribute it to something else. So let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where <clears throat> Jesus said in another scripture, God made them male and female, right? So you go to Genesis chapter 1, and you're saying, okay, Genesis chapter 1 is the book of the creation. The creation, what God wanted us to know about the creation, there it is. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created heaven and earth. Heaven is a masculine word. Earth is a feminine word. So what do you have in the beginning? You have God, male, female. What do you have at the conception of each one of us? You have God, you have male, female contributing, and female contributing. When the sperm strikes the egg and pierces the shell, outer shell of the egg, the outer skin of the egg, a flash of light seals that. And John says in John 1, and in, in, I think it's verse 14, where he said, Jesus Christ is the light of every man that cometh into the world. Now, John was saying this, and if you understand John's writings, John was the least educated of all the apostles. All of the original 12, he was the youngest, the least educated, the least adept at having any scientific input, who introduced to us both the logos and also the idea that the light of God was there at each conception. Well, they discovered when they invented the electron microscope, which gives you a view of the atomic and molecular world for the first time, they discovered this actual act of creation of the conception of a human being that a flash of light seals the egg and at that moment the breath of life is breathing there. So there's certain patterns God laid out in the scripture. So when it said for instance, in the beginning male and female made he them, the majority of the universe, the entire universe that we know of, the known universe, all the galaxies, all the expanse that we know of, the majority of it consists of hydrogen. Hydrogen is not your normal atom. Generally in an atom you have uh, three portions. You have a electron, a proton, and a neutron. Hydrogen doesn't have the neutron; it just has the electron and the proton. One is a positive charge; one is a negative charge. The two were back to that, that, that back to that binary from the very beginning, and that's why uh, your latest book, when you're talking about the boy that was uh, messed up from the transgender thing in your latest book, that's why it's significant that God is speaking about these things because God is bringing us back to the foundation of the very beginning, the male and female dichotomy. The two shall be as one. So God took the mud of the earth is what it says. The actual Hebrew word there is mud. And the word earth again is feminine. And the word water that you use for mud is masculine. And then God breathed in that mud and made Adam. And then took out of Adam Eve and then brought them together to be one that said, and he called their name Adam. He called their name Adam. So we see this two as one, two is one, two is one, because it's a picture of the church that God is created. He's taking us back to this ground zero place, the first place that God showed up in our life. When we didn't know about it, we were a one-celled being was at that very fraction of the moment of conception, just like God did when he originally created the world and just like he did when he overshadowed Mary and he fertilized her egg and, uh, and the Holy Spirit fertilized her egg and flashed the seal of the, of the light there too. God always works on these basics in the quantum world and these basics are built up into the uh, actual physical world we see about us so that we can understand these truths. If it's true in the Word, it's true on every level. Man created the sixth day. The majority of man's body uh, consists of four basic elements, hydrogen, carbon, oxygen, and nitrogen, right? So man, carbon is a six, uh, an atom with six elements, Portions. It's got six neutrons, six protons, six electrons. Six, six, six. That's man. That's what the scripture describes in, in, in uh, Revelation 13. And the oxygen is eight. It's an eight uh, uh, portioned atom. It's eight protons, eight electrons, eight neutrons. And that's the breath of God that's there. And then the hydrogen is nine. Has the uh, has a nine percent of man is those two again? We're back to the two shall be one because man was made as a dual being. When when God made Adam, Adam and Eve were in each other together. The woman was in the man. He took the woman out of the man and made the woman. And then nitrogen, which is that other major uh, portion, is the number seven. The, uh, it's a seven part atom. It's a, you know each one of those seven parts, the seven electrons, seven protons, seven neutrons. So we see that what God said in the word. And how God laid it out in the Word, the further you go into studying it, the more you find out it's true. You go down into the atomic world, and then you see all of these particular things, the golden ratio, you see these these particular things that were laid out, the classical, perfect uh, way that God created this world by these patterns to prove the Creator. Now, these scientists, many of them, they've studied all these things that the heart rate works on on the golden ratio, the brain waves are working on the golden ratio, even the uterus of a woman, once she's in her most fertile time of her life, fits perfectly in what they call the, the structure of the golden rectangle, which if you look at the Parthenon, which is considered one of the greatest buildings ever built, the Greeks built it based on the golden rectangle. So there's, there's an understanding that God is the great geometer, and that's what uh, Plato had written over above his academy door, God is the great geometer. God did everything in this world, even in the microscopic world that we don't see, or what's called the quantum, the quantum world, God did everything consistent with what he did in his word. You can't dig into science and find anything different, and you can't go into astronomy as far as you could go out into the universe, you will always find it the same, always the same.
0: Now, if you're not thoroughly confused yet, <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is pretty deep. But we really want to bring you to the thought process of thinking that, by the way, the second book is about Luke the Lightbearer, defeats the spirit of confusion. So it's a transgender issue, but it's really addressing the issue from the point of confusion. This is it's what it is. This is what it is. <coughs> Many people never use, use the word transgender, um, but it specifically goes against the spirit of confusion. And that's what we are confronting in our life today, And in everything that we're hearing in the media, is trying to confuse us uh, about the vaccines, uh, about COVID-19, about um, Joe Biden's election, just anything that comes up on the on the news or in in social media, it's all trying to cause us to be confusion. So how do we get? How do we overcome the spirit of confusion? To go back to the basics, if we're going to be looking at how the um, world as we know it is going to be reset if our country is going to be reborn because it can't it be changed anymore uh, or, or uh, corrected in in terms of how bad it's gotten or do we need It's an open-ended question do we need to be reborn again mm-hmm. uh, we certainly need to be reset on every one of our systems the financial system needs to be reset our government needs to be reset but even more importantly, because most of the people listening to this podcast are not in a position to reset the financial system mm-hmm. or are not in a position to reset the government, but you are in a position to reset yourself.
1: Exactly.
0: And it gets down to the individual level do you want to reset? Do you think of a need to reset? Uh, scripturally, the word is actually renew, renew our minds. Mm-hmm. But renewing our minds resets the way we go about living our lives so many of us have lived our lives out of our soul we put our soul first uh, or or our, our body basically our body's deeds first and the spirit gets second position or third position scripturally speaking if we do not live spirit first we cannot have a successful life we cannot talk to god we can't have communication with our father if our spirit's not first, in the first position. So we need to reset our lives according to the way uh, the word uh, describes to us that way. We're finding it extremely um, revealing, uh, interesting, revealing, that um, when things are looked at at a structural basis, everything has order in it. The Fibonacci sequence, uh, the golden rule, the golden rectangle, Golden Ratio. I keep saying the Golden Rule. Golden Ratio.
1: Golden Rule 2. Golden Rule 2, actually. It it works (laughs) there.
0: (laughs) But those are all pure mathematical um, formulas that show the genius of God in everything that's been created. It's all there. And you don't have to be a believer or a Christian or anything to see it. All you have to do is observe it. And all the scientists that are intellectually honest enough to say, this is what it is. They're just observing what is. They see the truth and the simplicity of the uh, ratios. And they see the, uh, sig- I say the uh, simplicity of how things have been created. Now, I'm reminded of Einstein's, Albert Einstein's, uh, who is Jewish by background, I guess by religion uh, and by culturally, Uh, born as a a Jewish person, Um, his quest for his whole life was the unified theory. He was trying to find, after he got through with the theory of relativity, he was trying to find for the next 40 years or 50 years of his life, because he actually discovered pretty young, um, what is the unified theory? And never was able to discover it. And yet we're discovering things now based upon the Fibonacci sequence that may be a key to the unified theory.
1: That's one of the things that the um, many of these guys that are doing this work are looking at is they know that the speed of light is a constant. They're actually talking about, and the speed of light, of course, relates to Einstein's theory, but they're actually talking about that the golden ratio should be considered a constant also because it's so prevalent in everything, in the electronic world, every bit of it. I'll go all across the electromagnetic scale too. But you know, when we're talking about the reset, It seems like everything's pulling at us from every direction right now to reset our mind, to completely change the way our minds are. And part of this is because this nation has turned us back on God in many ways. I'm not going to say everybody, but a good portion, and especially the people that are in much of the leaderships of this nation. And then when we get a reprieve of that, we kind of take it for granted and don't do the activities we need to do, which is what happened during the Trump administration. We had a reprieve from that. And we didn't take advantage the way we should have. And we allowed Satan to come in again. So, but one of the things that, that Jesus told Nicodemus, he spoke to him and he said, and Nicodemus was an elder in Israel. He was, that's not a small position. We, we kind of underestimate what that meant. He was, a, he was a voluminous scholar of the scripture, very, very adept. And when he came to Jesus, of course, at night, because he didn't dare do it in public, uh, Jesus said, "You must be born again." In other words, you've got to be taken back to the beginning. And He made a statement to him, and He said, "Well, can I go back into my mother's womb?" No, no, no. That's not how it works. So unless you're born of water and of spirit, you can't. He said that you can't even see the kingdom of God. So it's like that uh, blind man that's reaching out and he's trying to feel inside of an elephant. And he tries to figure out what an elephant is. And he goes, well, an elephant's like a big wall. Or he reaches, grabs the ear and goes, an elephant's like a giant blanket. Or an elephant's trunk. And he said, an elephant's like a hose. Never really getting the full picture, you can't really see these things unless you're born again. So God takes us by the new birth back to resetting us into what we are supposed to be, that he breathed the breath of life. When God breathed the breath of life in us at the very moment of our conception, when he sealed us with his light, the light of Christ, which if you take light and, and uh, life and you mix them together and you get, the, you can look at that relativity because that's what flashed in us, that light from God, and brought us to life, he wants to reset us back to that ground zero where we were just that basic person without any influence of the sin that was coming on us for the rest of our life because we've been affected by sin all the way from that Time we are born onward. We chose what David said. We're born in sin. We've done this particular thing in our lives, and God wants to take the effects of that. You know, a lot of these people, they say, well, I was born that way. Well, yeah, we were all born sinners. But that's not the goal. The goal is to be reborn and be reset back to what God wants us to be, to be reset in any of these things that the church has now started accepting as these lifestyles that which are condemned by God can be delivered of by being reborn. If you're reborn, and then you can be free from all of these things. I don't care if you're—every one of us is born a murderer. Every one of us is born a drug addict. Every one of us is born a, an alcoholic. Every one of us is born all these things. Sinners. We're all sinners because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the way that God deals with this issue is to reset our mind— And a good portion of that, we come to Christ and then we let the washing of the water of the Word format in us a reformatting of the neurons of our brain and create in us the mind of Christ.
0: You know, there's an interesting movie that I always enjoyed uh, with uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Cameron Diaz, and it's called Night and Day. And he has an interesting um, discussion uh, because he's a, um, I guess, a secret agent type of guy Like a James Bond type of guy in the movie. And she's just a country bumpkin, you know, Kansas, from Kansas school teacher. And when he first meets her, he tells her things he's supposed to do. And he takes his right hand and he lifts it up over his head and says, With me? And he lifts his left hand and he puts it down below his knee and says, Without me. (coughs) With me, without me. You know, you're going to come with me? (laughs) (laughs) And as he says, You know, with me, you'll live. Without me, you're going to (laughs) die. And those are the kinds of things. That we're um, actually—it's a—it's a, a picture of an analogy of the, either with the Lord or not. Right? This is what a life's like with Him. This is a life like without Him. And if we start to apply that to a life, it's like our lives are going to be reset, one way or the other,
1: with him or with them. With exactly. without Him.
0: With or without Him. right. That's exactly <laughs> so we have to look at this and say do i want my life reset the way god wants my life to be reset or do i want to let my life be reset the way the enemy wants it to be reset everything that we're in conflict right now it's good versus evil it's god versus the devil right both of them want to reset us the globalists the central bankers everything that we can see the power people right throughout the the world the power people are pulling the strings To reset the financial system, to reset the governments—you know, one world order—we keep hearing off over and over again, Mm -hmm. and we keep bombarding our minds with these words. What do they mean by it? Well, at a bottom line, it's going to come down to this: if God will reset the world according to the way He built it, we will have freedom. If the enemy is allowed to rebuild the world or reset according to his way of running things, we will be controlled. We will lose our free. We'll be in bondage. His point is to put, to control us. God's desire is for us to be free. So which shall it be? Shall it be we reset um, God's way? Or should we reset the enemy's way? And most of the people listening to this podcast, again, are not in position to make these global decisions. But you can make these decisions for your own life. You can reset the way you think according to the word of God. Renew your mind and you will be free. Or you can allow the enemy to attack your mind and through your soul reset your thinking according to the way he wants you to think and you'll be be full of fear. It's faith versus fear. It's freedom versus bondage. It really comes down to those simple things, and everything is based upon the biblical principles of the word, uh, mathematically so in all the physical world that we see, but in the spiritual world, it's all based upon the principles that God has set in place (coughs) for us.
1: Yeah, the great war is over this, the mind of man versus the mind of Satan and whatever Satan's trying to bring about. I was looking at the um, Sistine Chapel picture of, you know, of the uh, of the man being touched by God. And it was kind right of interesting. Right? Yeah, the two, the two fingers reaching out. And you have man sitting there, laissez-faire, just barely moving his finger towards God and God reaching down. And the interesting thing about Michelangelo's drawing, Michelangelo understood the golden ratio. And he understood the human body. He was famous for his understanding. And same thing with Leonardo da Vinci. Very famous, both of them, for their understanding of the classical form of man. You know, with their uh, da Vinci's drawings of hands and stuff like that. and, And Michelangelo's drawings. And Michelangelo literally has God. If you take a look at the picture of God, and you see it since they cleaned it up some years back, right? The background, Michelangelo has God sitting in a brain. The, the physical brain, it's got the cortex, it's got the pineal gland, it's got everything, the brain. So God is in a cloud that's formed like a brain, reaching down into man that's in a cloud that's formed like a brain. And it's like the mind of God, and this is what Michelangelo is trying to portray, the mind of God trying to touch the mind of man, trying to bring the mind of man to an understanding. And the reason I say about the golden ratio, because he understood that the portions of the skull The layout of the skull, if you look at it from a cross-section, is in the golden ratio where the the breaks in the skull were. So man sitting there, laissez-faire, waiting for God to touch him. Now, there's probably been 100,000 books written about why that's a significant truth about humanity. It's better for us if we cooperate with that reaching of God into our soul because that's where we first had our experience with God. Every individual has a personal experience that they had with Jesus Christ, whether they like it or not. He's the light of every person, every single person that came into this world, everybody. So there's no way to dodge this thing. So when you're coming into a relationship with the Lord in your personal relationship with the Lord, you're coming back to that deep cellular level, that Christ, just like the scripture says, deep Crieth on the deep. You're coming back to that deep, personal, cellular level. And God wants to write your mind, your genome, your entire human uh, function to be concerned on things of God, where we've lost a God centered universe in our country. At one time, up until about the 1850s or 1860s, when we allowed uh, false science to take over everything. We had a God-centered idea about life. People that did things did things because it was morally right within the sight of God. The, the abolitionist movement was a movement that took place to stop slavery because it was an evil in the sight of God. Charles Finney, the greatest revivalist that ever lived in this country, said that God was judging these things. We got to understand the only way to be right as a nation is for the individuals to go back to that original place that Jesus Christ met us and sealed us and to repent of what we've built since that time and go back to that individual relationship with God where the individuals, we can change this nation, not because we have power in these positions like Tom is saying, we can change this nation because we allow God to change us personally, individually, and that's what it comes down to. I was thinking about Polycarp when Polycarp was being martyred. I think it was like 159 A.D. He's from Smyrna, Bishop of Smyrna. He's actually like one of the great uh, Christian saints. And he had been a believer for 70 years. And so here he is in his old age being taken into the arena, and Caesar's representative was sitting there saying to him, okay, look, I'll let you live if you'll just say... What I want you to say, he wanted him to deny Christ, right? And he told him, so You don't even have to do it in a real way. <laughs> Just say it. And Polycarp e. said this He said, I've been walking with Jesus for 70 years. He said, How could I deny him? And many of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time. And we have the fruit of faith in our life. Now we need to exercise that fruit and allow a deeper Flow to go into our life in a personal, closer relationship with Jesus Christ to bring us closer. To bring us closer. So when they put Polycarp on the stake and they tried to burn him, he couldn't burn. They literally lit him, he wouldn't burn, so they had to stab him. So God even saved him of the, of the, the power of the fire. And, and God wants us to have this great change. But he doesn't want us to look like the world. He doesn't want us to be oddballs where we're saying like I'm going to do like the Amish did 450, 500 years ago after they came out of the Anabaptist movement and they said, look, we're scared about what's going on. We're never going to change. And they're just going to lock ourselves back into the 14 and 1500 somewhere. He doesn't want that. Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. He wants us in the world, but not out of the world. They had to betray Judas. Jesus, Judas had to betray him with a kiss because they couldn't tell the difference says, when we see him, there is no former comeliness that we desired. It says in Isaiah, when we walk through this world, we walk through as normal people, but we're people that have this treasure in an earthen vessel because we've allowed the mind of Christ. So we affect things around us. We're not drawn by the fears that are being shoved on us by the world. We've been manipulated for years and years and years in this country and in the West altogether, the Christianized West by fear. We've been pushed by fear and we need to break that because it says men's hearts failing them for fear we need to break those things that cause us to be fear jesus has got our lives in his hand and once we begin to have the mind of christ we'll understand that and we won't have fear
0: <clears throat> i had an experience the other day uh where i went to a different place in my mind and i was in a place where there was no fear mm. and i wasn't trying to get there i it Actually, something happened to me without my intent. I uh, didn't know really what I was, um, you know, and now I didn't intentionally want to get there. As I'll give you the background experience. I, I met a young man who was a songwriter, uh, a singer and a songwriter who had a song, mm-hmm. and uh, w- we developed a very quick father-son type of relationship, wanted to collaborate on a song, which will become <coughs> the theme song of the father's heart. I was looking for that. The Lord spoke to me and told me this man would be able to produce, 29-year-old man will be able to produce this um, theme song for me. So, uh, And he had already done a similar song two weeks before. So we worked on it, and we collaborated back and forth for about uh, about two weeks. And then we went to a musician who's probably a musical genius. He probably uses the Fibonacci, Fibonacci uh, sequence. Yeah, he was on one of our speakers named Josue Parra. Uh, Venezuelan by background, uh, and uh, works with some of the finest musicians in the world, Edwin Sebalvita and very, very famous people. And he understands structure, musical structure. He understands how music is put together uh, according to biblical principles, mathematical principles, principles that we're discussing here in in different ways and terms. But he understands how how to arrange music, and so he must have asked um, a Nate a dozen times, it's okay if I change this, I'm okay if change that. Mm-hmm. So he took the same words, but he kept reworking them reworking them and changing the notes and changing the pitch and up and down, all around, all mathematically. Um, and I was listening to it for three hours. It was intense. And uh, they would ask my opinion, but I don't have a musical, you know, uh, I shouldn't say born in my body. I really don't uh, have an ear for it. I understand the words and the lyrics, but not the music behind it. And he, uh, Josue really understands the music. Song, uh, Nate understands the music, but he didn't understand the qualities that Josue could put on. But after three hours, he he came fully around with all the different changes. But the last half hour or so, I've been listening to... um, the music being played over and over again. And in my mind, I went to a place where I had no worries. I I went In my mind, I went to, it was like I had an experience of heaven. I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. But I could feel the presence of God. And I could feel the uh, uh, being in a heavenly place. Because I was listening to the song. I'll give you some example. It said in a song, the title of the song is, you are mine, I called you by name, uh, I'm never going to change my mind, I'm always going to love you, and, I, and it goes into s- lyrics like that, which are very uh, powerful words being sung, to very powerful music, and so I was getting that into, uh, through my spirit, into my soul, and worries began to leave me. I have a, a sibling that's in the process of dying there in ICU down in Florida, and on life support, and her name is Cynthia. And I was thinking to myself, she's in a place on, on death's door or the precipice of heaven, and right now, she's not worried about anything. She's not worried where her food is going to come from. She's not worried about uh, the rent or <laughs> the car or the gas or anything at all in the natural plane. She's completely oblivious to And for a few moments, maybe 10 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes, I got to that place. I just didn't, you know, none of the stuff of the earth meant anything to me. And I was at perfect peace inside. And God blessed me by allowing me to go to that place. There, I had no worries. I had no anxieties. <coughs> I had no fear. Right, Completely removed from all the stimulation on the earth where I could get completely bombarded with thoughts that will try to cause me to be worried or anxious or afraid of something.
1: That's fantastic. I mean, I think that's what the Lord wants to take us all to this place where we're not concerned. I know we take care of our lives, but we're not really concerned for tomorrow. That one, One of the advantages of seeing how God laid everything out is you realize God created this entire world for us. He made this world to be the best habitation we could live in. Everything about where we're at, every bit of our environment screams out, God's love towards us. God's love towards us. And if we come to understand that God really does love us individually, love us individually, and that he wants a personal relationship with us individually, once we see that. And that those were the actual words that brought me to my salvation experience 50 years ago was I was in a a living room and a guy said to me, you can know Jesus Christ personally. And I never absolutely never heard those words in my life before that. And it's just like with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, One minute I'm thinking this way, the next minute I'm thinking the other way. The new birth that God has brought us into is there to renew our minds, to completely take away the confusion that comes at us. And it's actually not just coming at us, but being thrown at us by our great enemy, Satan, and all of his little emissaries that he's bringing up constantly to throw these things at us and to really set us on the rock, to set us solidly, to have our house solidly set upon a rock as our foundation that foundation is Jesus Christ which uh, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. So in your own life if you're going through struggles and confusion I had a I had a very good friend 35 years ago. Uh, we had led this couple to the Lord. They weren't a couple we, we we introduced them they got married. And then for some reason their marriage fell apart <coughs> and I heard about the woman living with another man. She had moved in with another man, had a baby. And she already had one or two kids with her original husband. She had didn't marry this guy she moved in with. And I called her up and I said, listen, uh, what's going on? And she said, well, I don't know what to do. I'm just confused. I'm just confused. And she was going on about being confused. And I said, look, the best thing you can do, and this is where you'll be free, walk away take your kids back to your husband take the baby go back move in with the husband and god will take away the confusion you have to do it though you have to make the step
0: the action step
1: the action step she did it her husband said i will receive this baby as my own baby took care of the baby took care of her they had a, a number of kids. I think they've got eight kids all together now. And since then, they've been married 35 years since then. Totally God, if you looked at them together, they look like, uh, you know, you see that American Gothic picture of the guy and the girl standing there, the guy with the pitchfork uh, pitch and stuff. <laughs> it's just like that. You would never know there was ever this crisis in their life. You would never know it. Here, they, they, they God took it away because she took that first step. So we take that step. And God will meet us there and take away the confusion. He'll wipe that confusion away. But we've got to do the step of moving away from it. We've got to make our decision to take the step.
0: We need to rest in the thought that the uncreated one Mm -hmm. is our father. The uncreated one is our father. And if we would open our minds up to how he built everything, It's so rock solid, right? The principles he put into effect that are totally observable. What genius could have possibly done this? It was my father that did it, the uncreated one. He's my dad, Mm -hmm. and it's going to work out all right because I can trust him because he made everything and he knows what he's doing and he's going to take care of me personally if you can find the place where you can receive that into your heart, your life will be changed. You'll no longer have worry. You'll no longer have anxiety. You'll no longer have fear because your Father will take care of everything. And when the end comes, as it surely will, for this world and for us personally, we will be able to walk into the next dimension. We'll be able to walk into a heavenly place. And the gift that he's giving us is a glorified body for those who know him and for those who received him.
1: You know, the the resurrection is the final reset of everything. And that's that's what God is going to do. He is going to, it says that he's going to make a new heaven and new earth, a resurrection, our physical bodies. It doesn't matter how long ago people died, how they have melted into the earth, how they've been into the sea and the fish have eaten them and mm-hmm and excreted them out into other portions of the sea that got eaten by other fish, By blah, 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 blah. I'm looking to be 33 again. (laughs) Yeah, doesn't matter. Because it says the sea gave up their dead, the earth gave up their dead. Everything is going to be resurrected. Every single person is going to be resurrected again. And to those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they'll live forever. Live forever.
0: Well, it's that time again where we need to bring the podcast to a close. I want to remind you that our new book will be out, Luke the Light Bearer, Defeats the Spirit of Confusion, uh, in July. We have a theme song coming together that should be out also in July. Um, we can be reached at papatomstales.com for blogs, and you can go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, forward slash the Father's Heart. If you want to see all the media that we're producing, we're actually asking people if they would, um, if they're benefiting from the media we're putting out. Uh, it's on our time, our nickel, so to speak, to, to bring out the media. But we're looking for support to distribute the media. That's th- what we are looking for some help with. So we, um, until next time, we'll see you again. Tom Clark with Papa Tom's Tales of the Father's Heart. Take care.